Well, good morning, church. Excited, excited to, to have the opportunity to open the word with you today. As I said, my name is Jeffrey Samplasky. I'm the student pastor here at Great Hills. And like we talked about just a few moments ago, today's a, a significant day in the life of the student ministry. It's a day that, that we have the opportunity of recognizing our college graduates. Um, and, and their great accomplishments. It's a time where we're, we're going to spend time in prayer over them, um, affirming them as they get ready to start the next chapter of their lives. And, and we're so excited for you guys. I can't say that enough. And today we have the opportunity of, of opening the word to Psalm chapter 127. And, and we're going to see very quickly that, that this passage speaks to um, multiple different groups of people that are intimately woven together. This passage is absolutely incredible. It speaks to, to parents. And this morning, I'm going to take the opportunity through the word to speak into the lives of our parents, not just the parents of, of our graduating seniors, but, but to all parents, regardless of the stage in life that you're in. I'm going to take the opportunity to speak into the lives of those parents. But it also speaks into children Yes, our, our graduates, but every child that's, that's represented in the room today. So I'm going to take a, an opportunity through the, the teaching of the Word to speak into all children in this room. With that, I'm going to be giving um, several sort of exhortations at the end, um, straight out of Scripture, a charge, if you will, to our graduating seniors. But then also with that, it also, this passage also speaks to the corporate body of Christ. The, the church as a whole. And, and today we're going to be talking about raising godly children. We're going to be talking about God's design for, for a biblical household, a biblical family. And, and here's what I want to do, kind of add a little bit of a caveat with that. I recognize that, that sometimes when we talk about biblical families, um, one of the tendencies at times if, if, is if you are not right now, currently in that stage of life. Um, maybe you have adult children that have um, left your house long ago. They're off in the working world. They have families of their own. Or, or maybe the, you're in a season right now where, like my wife and I, where we just don't have children of our own just yet. I recognize that sometimes the natural tendency is to kind of draw back and, and, and assume that, that this message, this passage doesn't really have a lot to do with me. I want to I challenge you, if, if you're in that season, like my wife and I, I want to challenge you to really push into the text that we're going to be speaking through here in just a minute, because this passage has everything to do with you as well. This passage is absolutely incredible. It, it, it speaks into, again, the lives of parents it speaks into children, and it speaks into the corporate body of Christ. Now, I also want to put a little disclaimer on this before we dig into the Word. I don't in any way claim to be a professional in this arena. You know, I feel like a lot of the time when, when somebody stands up here and addresses, or really stands up in front of any congregation, and, and, and addresses a, a large congregation, it's automatically assumed that the person that's standing up there is a professional in whatever subject matter that they're talking about. I don't claim to be a, a professional in this. So what I intend to do, just like every other person that stands behind this pulpit, and praise God that this is true, just like every other person that stands behind this pulpit, my goal this morning is simply to teach you what's already in Scripture, 
what's already there. And I love this about Great Hills, to be quite honest with you. The people that stand behind this pulpit aim to preach truth, aim to preach what scripture teaches, not to entertain, not to, uh, to tickle ears or anything like that, but the aim of standing behind this pulpit is to teach the inspired word of God, which is the authority. Not me, the word of God is the authority. So with that being said, I, I, wanna, I wanna take a moment to read Psalm chapter 127. Psalm, Psalm 127 says, a song of ascents of Solomon, and then it starts, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go, to late, or go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for the privilege of gathering corporately with the body of Christ to make much of your son. That's our goal today is the exaltation of Christ. So Father, that's my goal as I stand up behind this podium and as I preach your word. My goal is your son's glory. So God, I pray that you would allow me, just a feeble man, but a feeble man with an amazing God. Father, I pray that you would allow me to speak with precision. God, I pray that you would infuse my words with the very Spirit of God, the Spirit that raised Jesus from the grave, and I pray that your word would go forth. That's our goal. Father, the, the, the people represented in this auditorium right now don't need to hear from me. They need to hear from you. So God, we are desperate for that, that you would speak that you would be glorified, that your son would be exalted above anything else. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. So as I said this morning, we're going to be talking about a, a godly household, or, or rather God's design for raising children. So what, what does that look like? What does it look like to, to raise godly children by, by God's design? What does the word say? First of all, number one, the Lord must be the builder. As we, as we parent, as we lead our children, the Lord must be the builder. You see that in Psalm 127, 1 and 2 that says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go, to late, go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. My friends, church, the Lord must be the builder. And this is true for every arena, every avenue of our lives, whether that be our, our, our personal lives, whether that be our marriages, whether that be um, the way that we conduct ourselves at work, the way that we grow further into the image of Christ, or the way that we parent our kids, the, Lord's, the Lord must be the builder. He must be the builder in every arena. It's by God's design that God would be the builder. So with that, parents, church, it is not enough 
to just be a well-meaning parent. It's not enough just to be a well-meaning parent. And and what I mean by that is it's not enough for us just to to simply desire the the, the best for our students. It's not enough just to uh, desire our our students excelling in in every avenue, arena of their lives. My friends, church, we, we must be careful not to adopt a parenting style that primarily emphasizes the importance of our children excelling at temporal things. We must be careful not to adopt a parenting style where we primarily highlight our students excelling on the athletic field in the classroom so that when they graduate high school, they've got the the best grades so that they graduate, they get a great scholarship and go into the the, the next stage of life, college, for, for a lot of them. And then all of a sudden, get the best grades there as well, graduate with honors from there, and then go on to the world, get the best possible job, make the most money possible, and be successful in, in that field that they're working in. My friends, please don't hear me say anything that I'm not. Those things can be good things, but they must not be primary. Those things are good things, they're gifts from God. In fact, the, the Word of God very clearly talks about biblical work and God's design for his people to, to work diligently at the things that, that, that he's given them. And, and in every, again, in every avenue, every circumstance that they are in in life. But those things must not be primary. Primarily, we must raise our kids to excel at knowing God. When we do the former, we are maybe not through word, but definitely through action, teaching our children that the church is second. Again, my friends, family, primarily we must raise our kids to excel at knowing God. We must be dependent on God as we raise our children. You see, it's possible to raise good and even virtuous children apart from a total dependence on God. However, the emphasis in this passage is not on the temporal results, but on the eternal. And I think we see this so clearly, even with the person that penned this passage, Solomon. If you study through the Old Testament, you see that that, that a lot of what Solomon did, though he did great things, God used Solomon mightily all the way through Scripture. You also see that Solomon spent a lot of time focusing his attention on temporal things. He spent a lot of time building things that honored him and honored his greatness. And then in 1 Kings chapter 11, we see that his kingdom became ruins. So church, again, I say we must, as we parent our kids, as we lead our children, we must focus on the eternal and not the temporal. We must primarily teach our kids to excel at knowing God. That is by God's design. Then and only then will we submit to the Lord as the builder of our families? So how do we do that? How do we, how do we submit to God as the builder of our families? We must teach our students, we must teach our children the mind of God. Yes, parents, we need the heart of God. We need to love our children. This passage says that they are a heritage from God. They are a reward, a gift from God. 
And they should be treated as such. We should love them. Yes, we should want the best for them. Yes, we should want them to excel in the different arenas of their lives. We should love them, the heart of God. But we must teach them the mind of God. Deuteronomy 6 contains what's called the Shema. The Shema is uh, it was a, a, sort of, uh, a sort of statement that the Israelite people would, would quote regularly. It was something that God gave them um, before they entered into the promised land. It set them apart. It, it stated who they were. And it was something that, that, they would, that they would quote, that they would say regularly as a reminder of what it is that sets them apart from the rest of the world. It, it was sort of a, a mission statement of who they were. In this passage says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as, as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What this passage is talking about is that we as the people of God, it's still very, very applicable to us, even on this side of the cross. What we are called to as the family of God, the people of God, is to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our might. I wish I had more time to push into this, but what, what this is telling us is that we are to love God with this all-encompassing kind of love. We are to love God with everything that we have, everything that we do, and everything that we are. This is what God commands of his people. But notice what this passage says in verse 7. It says, teach them diligently to your children. Teach them to what? to love God with all their heart, with all of their soul, and with all of their might. Parents, are you teaching your children to love God with this all-encompassing kind of love? With all of their heart, with all of their soul, and with all of their might. Church, are we encouraging families to train up their children to love God with, all, with this all-encompassing kind of love. So how do we do that? We're going to take some time and just be really, really practical. Just draw out some practical truths out of Scripture for how we can submit to God as the ultimate builder, as the builder of our families, so that we can teach our kids how to love God with heart, soul, and might, this all-encompassing kind of love. So how do we do that? Point number two, God raises children into God-ordained families. Starting in verse three, it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Again, God raises children into God-ordained families. As I was studying through this passage over the past couple of weeks leading up to today, um, I couldn't help 
thinking of a, a conversation that, that my dad and I used to have when I was, when I was younger. And, and at the time, our students have heard me share stories about um, little, little things that dad would pass on to us um, multiple times. And I used to think when I was young that this was kind of a, like a cheesy little teaching moment, something like that. But, but now that I'm older and I spend all of my time pouring into teenagers, it, it makes so much sense. Dad used to come up to me, my brother, and my sister pretty regularly, and he would ask, who are you? Well, I'm Jeffrey. It makes sense, I'm Jeffrey. Well, yeah, that's right, but, but who are you? Okay, let me kind of broaden that a little bit. I'm a Sam Plasky? Yeah, you're right. You're, you're Sam Plasky, but no, Jeffrey, I don't think you're understanding my question. Who are you? And then we would, all, we would always think for a little bit, and then finally it would click. Oh, well, Dad, I'm a Christian. Yes, Jeffrey, you are all of those. You are a Sam Plasky biologically, but you're also a Christian by adoption. You see, my friends, church, we, we have two families that God raises children in, but those two families are intimately woven together. We have the, the biological family, my, my family, the Sam Plasky family is my biological family, but through adoption, I have another family. That's the family of God. God raises children in two God-ordained families. You have the biological family. And you have the adopted family, the family of God surrounding that family. My friends, church, we must raise our children in both. So I want to take the opportunity over the next few minutes to speak into both groups of people. To the parent, the home is the primary place where children learn the gospel. In fact, one statistic came out just recently that, that, that stated that we as the church have about 104 hours a year with kids, with your students. But you as a parent have well over 8,000 hours a year with your student. The parent is the primary faith trainer of a child. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a heritage, a gift from God, a reward to the families that have a purpose. And that purpose is what this passage speaks about in verse 4, that, that children are arrows in the hands of a warrior. So if parents are the primary faith trainers of a student and, the, and children are arrows in the hand of a warrior, what does it look like to train our students to carry out their God-ordained purpose in this world? Again, what does it mean to be the primary faith trainer of a child? This passage uses, like I said, the arrow in a hand of a mighty warrior to describe our children. So to be the primary faith trainer of a child means to carefully craft our children, to sharpen them by God's design so that when we let them go, they fly straight into the heart of the enemy. That's what arrows do. But interestingly, a warrior can't control how much damage an arrow inflicts once it strikes its intended target. However, again, what the warrior can do is carefully craft the arrow, sharpen the arrowhead with the end goal in mind, and then release the arrow accurately. 
So how do we as, as families raise our students knowing that they are an arrow, that their intended purpose in this world as an arrow in this world is to inflict damage on the enemy. In other words, advance the kingdom of God. The reason that God gives us children is for the glory of his name and the advancement of his kingdom. So how do we raise our students? How do we raise our children with that end in mind? First in word, just like Deuteronomy 6, 5 tells us, teach them. As parents, we must teach our children to love God with, our, with all of their heart, with all their soul, with all of their might. We must teach God through word to love God with this all-encompassing kind of love. But we must also teach our kids through our actions. I've heard it said one time that it's like two wings of an airplane. On one wing, it's what you say, the truth that you speak into your students or into your children, but on the other wing is what you do. Without both wings on the airplane, the airplane doesn't go where it's supposed to. So it takes both, yes, speaking truth into our students, into your children, but it takes action as well. In church, I have to admit, this part has been convicting to me as I've studied. As I've studied through this, and I've prayed through this text, the more that I've been convicted. In fact, when a pastor stands up here and prepares to, to teach, as he stands up to pro proclaim the word, he's always confronted with the text long before he preaches it. So as I've studied through this passage and really considered the truths that are in this passage, uh, I ask myself, really God allowed me to ask, what will the way that I treat my future children, or excuse me, what will the way that I treat my wife now teach my future children about the character of God? My friends, as we train up our students, as we train up our children, we must teach them both through word, speaking the truth of God, the life-changing truth of God into them, teaching them to love God with their heart, with their soul, and with their mind, with this all-encompassing kind of love. But they're also seeing the way that we love God by the way that we love our spouses, by the way that we lead our homes. We must train our students, our children, both through word and through deed and through action. Parent, your child needs you. But church, families need you. So also, like I said, there's two God-ordained families. The second is the church. Remember, you've got the biological family, and then you've got the adopted family of God that surrounds that family. So church, families need you. Let me ask you this. To whom is Psalm 127 written? Obviously, yes, to parents, but you see at the very top of the passage for today, it says a song of ascents. It means that it was used by believers as they ascended Jerusalem on a pilgrimage every year, not just to the married pilgrims, but to all. In other words, we are all called as the family of God, as the, the adopted family of God, the corporate body of Christ. We are all called to raise our children, these children that God has gifted to Great Hills Baptist Church to love God with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their might. So church, families need you. But also, 
as you parent your children. Church, as we surround these families, I want to encourage you through the, through the truth of the word to rest in the grace of God. I'm not a parent yet myself. I long for that day. I think it's going to be great. Uh, excited about it. I've got two nieces of my own. I can't imagine the, the weight of actually having my own children. I long for that. I look forward to it. But make no mistake, being a parent is a weighty task where God has gifted you, one of his image bearers, and tasked you as a parent and as a church who surrounds the family. He has tasked us with raising his image bearers to love God with this all-encompassing kind of love. That's a weighty task, but what a task it is. But church, I want to challenge you. Parents, I want to challenge you. Rest in the grace of God as you parent. Notice what Psalm 127b says. It says, for he gives his beloved sleep. You ever notice why God gives us sleep? In some ways, God gives us sleep to remind us that we're not God. He gives us sleep to remind us that he is sovereign even when we're not conscious. John Piper once said, God can perform more good for those who trust him while they are asleep than they can perform, or than they can perform on their own through anxious labor. So in other words, what this is is an incredible picture of God's grace that even as we sleep, even as we're not conscious, God is still sovereign. God is still in absolute and complete control. And my friends, that is so true in your family. That as we work to, to, to raise our children to love God with this all-encompassing kind of love, to train our children to love God fully with heart, soul, mind, with everything that we have, God is sovereign. So what does that look like? As the people of God, we must faithfully do the best that we can to raise our children, to speak biblical truth into our children, raise them up by God's design as he is the ultimate builder, as he is the builder of the house. And then we must rest in God's sovereignty with the results. A phrase that a friend of mine uses regularly that I've kind of adopted even in my own life is obedience is mine, the results are his. Parents, I want to challenge you. Church, I want to challenge you this morning. Be obedient to God's design. Raising our children to love God. Raising our children the best that we can by God's design. Speaking truth into them. Truth matched by action. And then rest in the sovereignty of God. As he is sovereign over our families. So parent, know as you raise your family, you are taking part in a God-ordained thing. God has designed it that he would gift parents or gift children to the family of God to be raised up as arrows in the hand of the warrior for the glory of God and the advancement of his kingdom. What a gift. What a reward that is. Parent, Please hear me say this. God is for you. His church is for you. Keep going. 
Keep being faithful as you raise your children to love and fear the Most High God. And then leave the results up to Him. Church, I want to challenge you. Surround these families that are raising children. Speak truth into the families in grace. Grace seasoned with salt. Speak truth into them. Love these families well. And leave the results up to the sovereign God. But also, finally, seniors, you just thought you were getting off the hook. This passage also speaks to children. Sorry to call you children. Y'all are kind of in that stage. But it also speaks to our children. So what does this passage tell us about children? Yes, our graduating seniors, but also every, every child that's in the family of God. It, it uses, again, uses the comparison of an arrow in the hand of a mighty warrior. What an amazing analogy that, that, that children are a tool used to advance the kingdom. What an amazing analogy that this arrow was created, was, was crafted by God, gifted to families by God to be used to claim territory for the kingdom of God. So students, I, I want to share a couple of things with you, then give you several exhortations um, out of God's word that, that my hope is that you would cling to um, as you start this new stage of life. But this is also for, for every child in this room. First of all, students, you must know your purpose as an arrow. You must know your purpose in the kingdom of God. Again, as an arrow, God uses us to advance his kingdom. The reason that you are in the stage of life that you are in in the same way that everybody else in this room is in the stage of life that they are in is for the advancement of the kingdom of God. It's the reason that God doesn't just take us home the day that we're saved. Have you noticed that he doesn't do that? The day that, the day that you start a relationship with Christ, he doesn't just take you to be with him. I long for that day. But the reason that he has left us here is because there's still so much work to be done. God has you in the season of life. Students, the reason that he has you in the season that you are in is for the advancement of the kingdom of God. You must know your role in this world as an arrow who is used to inflict damage on the enemy and to advance and claim territory for the kingdom of God. So how do we do that? As an arrow, getting ready to start the next stage of your life, how do you, how do we Stay faithful to what God has called us to. How do we put ourselves in a place to be used effectively for the kingdom of God? Well, students, I want to give you several exhortations that you've actually heard before. Several exhortations out of Ephesians chapter 6. In the student ministry and the college ministry, we're going through the book of Ephesians together. We've been doing a series, uh, really a mini-series within a bigger series through the book of Ephesians. And we're closing out the mini-series talking through the armor of God. And a couple of weeks ago, I gave our student ministry and our college ministry several exhortations out of Ephesians chapter 6 about how we as the people of God can be obedient to God, how, rather, how God has called us to be obedient to him, the method that he's called us to be obedient to him with, so that we put our play, ourselves in a place to be used most effectively for the kingdom of God. So students, these exhortations are going to sound familiar to you. I want to challenge you students to, to spend time 
meditating on these truths. I want to spend time, or I want to challenge you to, for the rest of your lives, spend time applying these truths, or rather, spend time applying this obedience, this type of obedience to your life. Because what you, or when you do, when you are obedient to what God has called you to, again, you are in a place to be used effectively in your role as an arrow, as someone who claims ground for the kingdom of God. So number one, you must put on the belt of truth. Students, we must accept God's truth as our truth, even when we struggle with it. We must pursue God's truth and reject anything that contradicts. Students, we must put on the breastplate of righteousness. We must be conformed to Christ and his righteousness that's credited to our account. We must take part in the gospel of peace. This deals with evangelism. Again, the reason that God has left you here, my friends, is for the advancement of his kingdom. We must join God in the mission that's central to his heart, and that is sharing the gospel of peace with, with everybody that we come in contact with. My friends, this mission is central to the very heart of God. You are the vehicle that God has chosen to advance his kingdom. So my friends, students, we must take part in the gospel of peace. We must take up the shield of faith. We must trust God that no matter what it is that's going on around me, no matter what we're walking through in this world, we must put our trust in God that he is sovereign even when we can't see the step in front of us before our foot hits the dirt. Students, we must put our faith in God in every avenue, every circumstance that we walk through in this world. Students, we must take up the helmet of salvation. We must proclaim that salvation comes from Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Students, we must take up the sword of the Spirit. That has to do with Bible intake. We must know God's word. This is the sword that's referenced. This sword, just like we've talked about before, the, the word sword is used as an analogy or a description to describe God himself. When we know God's word, we are taking up the sword. We must know God. Students, church, we must take spending time in God's word, examining God's word, getting to know God's word, memorizing God's word. We must take God's word seriously, if we are to be effective at advancing his kingdom and standing firm against the evil one that we see in Ephesians chapter 1. Students, we must be a people of prayer. It's interesting, like we've talked about before, this entire passage, is un prayer is, is kind of different than the rest of the armor of God that we see in Ephesians chapter 6. Prayer kind of undergirds all of the rest of them. In other words, we must pray always. Pray without ceasing. As we take up the, the sword, as we put on the breastplate, we must be pray, in prayer. We must bathe those in prayer. I heard one pastor one time say, before we talk to people about God, we must talk to God about people. Students, we must be a people of prayer. That's what this world needs, is a church who prays. 
Again, when we are faithful and when we are obedient in doing the things that God has listed here in Ephesians chapter 6, when we are obedient by God's design, we are putting ourselves in a place to be used greatly in the kingdom of God. And here's the other kicker. I love this. When we are obedient, you've heard me say this before, when we are obedient to the things of God, Yes, we're putting ourselves in a place to be used greatly for the kingdom of God. But when we are obedient to God, we're also putting ourselves in a place to enjoy God. Students, as you're obedient, as you follow this builder that we're talking about at the beginning of uh, Psalm 127, you are putting yourself in a place to be used and to enjoy the sovereign God of the universe. So church, again, I, I want to challenge you as we raise our children, families, as you pour truth matched by action into your children, church, as we surround families, students, as you prepare to start the next stage of your life, I want to challenge you, my church family. I love, I love being able to say that. I love you guys. My church family, I want to challenge you. Be obedient to what God has called us to and leave the results up to him. And may God be glorified, Christ be exalted. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for another day. Father, for the privilege of knowing you, the privilege of being known by you. What an amazing truth that is that you have allowed us, for those that have put their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you have allowed us, like we talked about, to be adopted into the family of God. Father, how amazing that is. Father, that you would allow us as sinful people, rebellious people, through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, the perfect sacrifice of Christ on the cross. You have allowed us, for those that put their faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, you have allowed us to be called children of God, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Thank you for that. And Father, as I recognize that, that when your word goes forth, it demands a response. So God, we've done the best that we can to be faithful to your word, to teach your word faithfully. So God, my prayer is that as the, my words have gone forth, they've been infused by the spirit of God. And God, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave would give us the ability and the boldness to respond. Father, would you be honored? Would you be glorified in our time of response now? It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Well, church, here in just a moment as our worship team begins to play, this, this is our time of response. Again, just like I prayed a moment ago, when the word of God is spoken, when it's preached, it demands a response. Whatever that looks like, that may mean that, that, that God is, is simply through the teaching of his word has just in, encouraged you. That may mean that through the teaching of God's word that, that God has brought you to a place of maybe repentance. Maybe you need to repent to God for not raising children by God's design. The beautiful thing about repentance is though 
though it stings temporarily, it's just that. It's temporary. The thing that's eternal is being able to walk faithfully with God, being able to enjoy God. So it may mean that that through the teaching of God's word that God has revealed to you that there may be an area that you need to repent of. Have the freedom to do that, my friends. But it also might mean that through the proclamation of God's word, it always takes the proclamation of God's word. It may mean that God has revealed to you through his spirit that you need Jesus, that you're not a follower of Christ. Praise God that he's revealed that to you. I wanna challenge you, I wanna plead with you. As the music begins to play, pastors and counselors are gonna be all across the front. I wanna plead with you, grab one of these incredible people by the hand and say, that's me, I don't know Jesus. I can guarantee you there's not a person up here that would rather be anywhere else other than sharing with you what it looks like to know the sovereign, incredible, mighty God of the universe. So my friends, as the worship team begins to play, I wanna challenge you, I wanna encourage you. Be obedient to the Spirit of God as he calls you to respond. 